This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome to all of you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. The goal here is to help all of us take Scripture and try to apply God's revealed Word to our lives so we live faithfully in the places where God has called us. Another way to think of that is to say we want to live faithfully in the spheres of authority or responsibility that God has given to us. He's created us as individuals with responsibility for that sphere. He's created us as people who are part of a family with responsibilities there. He's created us as citizens with responsibilities to our civic opportunities. He's created us as members of a Christian community with responsibilities there. And really understanding that call to faithfulness, what I'm saying is that we have distinct roles and responsibilities in the world God created inside of the forms or structures that God created. And so today, I want to actually talk about what those structures are. I want to talk about authority. Now, that can sound like a bad word in a modern world, but what I want to walk us through is actually going back to the biblical doctrine of creation. I want to show how God designed the world to work. So I want to give a kind of a Christian worldview, biblical theology explanation for how authority is supposed to work in God's world. And in particular, I want to unpack kind of four, I'll call them foundational authority structures or foundational ideas that God embedded in the world. I want to talk about the individual, the family, the government, and the church. They're four foundational authority structures. So we want to first explain those biblically. But then I want to step back into our cultural moment a little bit, and I want to talk about what happens when one of those four authority structures is abused? Like, what's the destruction of authority, and how do we wrestle with that as Christians? And then I want to apply some of that thinking together to how we could live faithfully in the moment where we are right now. Particularly, I'm going to try to apply kind of our thinking to what it means to be a parent, trying to shape children, and actually how we respond even to calls to things like defund the police. What do we do with law enforcement as an authority structure, and how do we respond as Christians to that? So, first thing to do is dive into the Scripture. So, if you're listening to this while driving, I don't suggest you take a Bible out, but if you want to follow along in a Bible, where I want to go to is the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this God who creates heavens and earth as he makes everything according to his design at the crown and pinnacle of his creation in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule. They will rule. That word rule is interesting because one, in one sense, you ask who rules the world? Well, the one who rules the world owns the world. I don't rule over something that I don't own. But God is the ultimate owner of everything. So in his ordering of man made in his image, and then he says he will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. What God's doing is he's saying as the owner of everything, the manager underneath my authority will be people made in my image. People made in the image of God were called by God to rule over and order this world that God gave us in creation. But as we go further in the story, 
That, that's kind of, if you want to think foundationally, that is the definition of an individual. It says he created the male and female in his image to rule under him. People are sub-rulers underneath God's authority, made in his image with responsibilities, male and female, to follow that created order, and with responsibilities ultimately to God as the owner and king of everything. But as we go forward in this story, what we find is Genesis 3, mankind doesn't follow God's instructions. We follow our own way. And so actually the sin curse enters into the world and it shatters both our vertical relationship to God, our horizontal relationships to one another, and even our downward relationship to the created world itself. The fall distorts and destroys the beauty of what God created. It means that people who were made rulers underneath God's rule now, we don't live our, use our power and authority simply to do what God calls us to do. We use it sinfully and selfishly to do whatever we want to do. We use it for ourselves. Instead of following God's rule, we immediately distort his rule. And so what that does is it has consequences in all of the realms that God has fleshed out. It has consequences to the individual. We don't live the way we should personally. And then as consequences to the second institution or authority God set up, the family. God created them male and female and gave them to one another. So the foundational authority structure in the world is a right definition of the individual working in the right definition of a family. Man and woman, man and wife, teaching and leading children under God's rule. Ultimately, then, God goes on, he establishes, even in Genesis, the governmental authorities that legislate and rule and make sure that the rules are followed. He establishes all those things. But when sin enters, we distort and break what God designed as good. One example of that, Genesis chapter 4, is actually the story of Lamech. I want to just read a couple verses there. Genesis 4.19. It actually says, Lamech took two wives for himself. Not one as God designed, but two. He distorts God's design of the family. One named Ada, the other Zillah. Lamech said to his wives, Genesis 4, 23, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, pay attention to my words, for I killed a man who wounded me, a young man for striking me. What we call that is an abuse of power. A person wasn't threatening Lamech's life. He wounded, he slapped him, and, and Lamech killed him. You see, is it wrong for a person to slap? Yes, but the punishment was disproportionate to the crime. So Lamech goes on and says, if Cain is to be avenged seven times over then for Lamech, it'll be 77 times. He, he is the picture of a powerful person using and abusing power, not to lift up the image of God, but to lift up the image of Lamech. So in God's ordering of the created world, he first makes man and woman as individuals in his image. He second puts them together as partners in an institution called the family. Third, he ordains a structure to the world whereby civilization works called government. And Lamech is a picture of what happens when that structure goes wrong. Instead of wrong being avenged, Lamech takes the power into his own hands. And then if we were to go further in the biblical story into the New Testament and into the story of Israel, he ordains a set-apart people in the broken world for himself, the church, to call people out of darkness and into light to live as a city on a hill. Okay, so I want to just state those four institutions or authorities are, 
are put in place by God's express design. The individual with rights and responsibilities, the family with rights and responsibilities, the government with rights and responsibilities, and the church with rights and responsibilities. Those things are designed by God. They're the way he is the owner of his world, is ordering his world to work. God made the world. He wants it to flourish. He wants people to flourish. And so he gave us systems and structures and authorities to lead to flourishing. But even in the story of Lamech that we read, what we begin to see is people made in God's image do not always follow God's good design. Even people put in a position of authority will abuse and misuse that authority for selfish and sinful purposes. Because of the sin curse, Lamech doesn't inflict justice on a person. He abuses the power of government and takes it into his own hands. Okay, so that's authority explained a little bit from a biblical perspective. There's four structures the individual, the family, the government, and the church. But those structures are given rights and responsibilities. And what happens then, I want to talk about what happens when authority is abused. So when Lamech takes into his own hands and inflicts a punishment that is disproportionate to the crime, what happens to the person who is punished or the people who watched it? Now, instead of trusting the authority that God designed, they fear the authority that God designed. It's not because the authority structure itself is inherently evil. It's because evil people can twist and abuse good things. So we even see this in the modern time in kind of the protest movements of our day on social media. Think of the hashtag Me Too movement. What is that foundationally about? It's about what happens when men created in God's image, primarily men created in God's image, don't use the power of manhood to serve and to selflessly lay their life down to serve one woman as wife, but instead take and sexually abuse and misuse that power. It's about the abuse of God's design. The Black Lives Matter movement and moment that we're in right now, what is that about? It's people made in God's image saying, this is wrong because the authorities and structures and systems that should be set up to promote goodness and flourishing are being misused and abused. This is wrong. And so here's what happens when we as humans see what God designed being abused, we can respond in one of three ways. Okay. Way one is this. When we see authority abused, we can be so soured to the, even the idea of authority that we rebel against authority and we reject it entirely. We don't just reject the abuse of authority, we reject the structure of authority entirely. You can see this sometimes even when children are abused by a parent. They no longer have a concept of a loving authority, so therefore they fight against people who are around them. You can see this in the Me Too movement. One of the, I, I was reading a, just a devastating, heartbreaking account of a young woman who was sexually violated, who said, I will never again trust a person sexually. I'll never entrust myself to anyone. What's that? I'm rejecting men 
and I'm rejecting sex, I'm rejecting marriage because people just use this to abuse. Sometimes when people see the abuse of authority, they say the problem isn't the abuse, the problem is the nature of the power that authority gives. So I'm going to reject it entirely. A second way we can respond when we see authority abuse is actually we can capitulate and participate in the abuse or in the cycle of abuse. You see this when it'd be, maybe you're, somebody's working for, for a crooked politician who kind of games the system and moves money around to their pet projects. But look, hey, it's, as long as it's benefiting me, I'm not going to be the tattletale. I'm going to just go along with it. I mean, it might be wrong, sure, and it, but look, it's not like it's what I'm doing. So in that system, what we see is when authority is abused, some people can benefit from the privilege of that authority being abused, and instead of standing up and opposing it, they just capitulate and go along with the flow. So if way one is rejection and rebellion, way two is silence and permission for the abuser to continue the cycle of abuse because I go with the flow and I don't speak up. The third response that we can have as Christians is actually what I'm going to call submission and reformation. Like, I think of Romans 13. Paul writes Romans 13 to a group of Christians in Rome who were often abused by the authority of Nero as the emperor. But he, he says to them, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there's no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God, so then the one who resists the authority opposes God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not to be a terror to good conduct, but to bad. You see, Paul says even a wrongly used authority, the problem is not the authority itself. That was instituted by God. But the authority by God's design is to be a terror to bad conduct. It's to push away the evil that people have inside themselves for the sin curse and actually to promote the flourishing of good conduct. So when an authority is doing that, even if in some ways they're flawed, your response is submission. You submit because that is God's servant. The authority is God's servant to push back that which is evil and promote what's wrong. Right. But then you, all, you don't just go with the flow. You also call for continual reformation because as Christians, we know that even authorities that are instituted and designed by God are run by people who are flawed people. That's the story of the world we live in. Sinful people are given the right and responsibility to have authority over other sinful people. So it's sinners who are in authority running a world full of sinners who are under authority. And what happens when sinful people rule over sinful people? The answer is sin. Sin happens. And so as a Christian, we understand there's no such thing this side of heaven as a perfect authority. So therefore, we can work for the administration of righteous authority. We call for laws that are good and police that are wise and just. Why? Because when we operate in that way, we honor God and the world works by his design. Okay, so now, if that's authority explained, the nature of authority is God's design. They are instituted by God for his care of his creation. Authorities, in other words, are the middle managers between God and the created world. But then we talked about what happens when that authority is abused, that it can be terrible in consequence to those under authority, and that we have one of three paths. We can either reject the nature of authority itself 
and try to rewrite the script. We can capitulate and participate with the abuse, just go with the flow, or we can live in submission, but yet reforming, calling continually for authorities to live under God's rule and design. So let's apply this right now. So first off, I do think we need to zoom out as Christians and realize we are watching a really big cultural shift happen in America right now, where actually each of those four authorities I talked about aren't just being called to reform or to change their conduct, they're being challenged in their basic nature. Right now in American culture, we are radically seeing the definition of an individual changed. Male and female made in the image of God, in a contemporary culture, we're challenging the idea that even gender exists. Have you heard the phrase, gender is just a social construct? To the Christian, the answer to that is no. Gender is the good design of a loving creator. That's a rewriting of what the individual is. Second, we see a rewriting of what the family is. Man and woman together to steward children who, while they are born sinners, need to be nurtured and disciplined to become all God created them to be. Now we're seeing the rejection of the cisgender nuclear family as a thing. We're rewriting that it's man and woman. We're seeing the rejection of government as an authority so that what we have is the idea if you just give people freedom and complete liberty, we'll do just fine on our own. Thank you very much. We want to rewrite the basic structures. And certainly the church itself is seen in many modern days as simply the organization of religious power and authority to be used for the benefit of those who hold it. I want to say as a Christian, those ideas... I reject because God instituted those authorities. And when people follow that, they flourish. I'm not calling for people to live in good families and to see the divorce rate go down just because I want to apply my Christian morality on people forcefully. I'm calling for it because that's how people flourish who are made in God's image. I cannot work for the good and love of my neighbor while at the same time tearing down the very authority structures that God designed for him to live inside of. And so I want to apply that in two areas. Let's talk about parenting and kids for a minute. You know, the modern idea of what a child is, is that a child is a beautiful flower. They enter into the world perfect, pristine, and untouched. And the job of the parent is to simply pour water and fertilization into the soil so that beautiful flower with all of its wonderful potential becomes all it is. And the only way that we end up with screwed up kids is if parents abuse or misuse that authority. Certainly there's truth inside of that. Children do have incredible potential and they should be nurtured and stewarded. But you see the foundational flaw there. The modern definition of a child has no definition with child as fundamentally a sinner. And sinners don't simply need to be watered, they need to be reprimanded. In other words, we have to be formed before we will be free. So children have to be both nurtured and disciplined. They need both attachment and adoration from a parent and admonition and instruction from a parent. When a parent forsakes the God-giving authority they have of discipline to let a child run their own life, children are hurt. So, can parents abuse that authority and go too far? 
Oh my goodness, yes. And as Christians, we should abuse child abuse. We should fight child abuse wherever we see it. We should fight it with all we are because children are made in God's image. But we should also fight against parental abdication of our responsibility to nurture and discipline our children in the pattern that God gives us. So you're going to have to, as a Christian, live a different way than the culture around you and how you parent sometimes. So we talked about parenting. Let's get into the always fun topic right now of policing. Policing is an expression of Romans 13, that rulers are to be a terror not to good conduct, but to bad, that the ruler is God's servant in avenger that brings wrath on one who does wrong. And actually in a Christian conception, why do police exist? Why does law enforcement exist? The answer is because sin exists. Because people do not by nature actually perfectly order themselves according to laws. By nature, we run toward anarchy and sin. And so we have law enforcement that exists by necessity because we have a sin curse that exists in reality. And so as Christians, we recognize that law enforcement exists for good reasons. But can a good authority be abused? Yes, Because just like we have sinners who need the laws enforced upon them, we have sinners who are enforcing the laws. And so as Christians, we have actually a category for the abuse of a good authority. Not all actions taken by a policeman are inherently right simply because that individual possesses authority. Because authority can be abused. So when an authority is abused, what do we do? We call for reformation. We call for them to live out the calling of good authority that God gave to them. We don't call for overthrow. And this is where as a Christian, at the essence of the call to defund the police, we have to say is a rejection of the nature of authority in policing. Now, could defund the police mean maybe we should put more money not into uh assault-style gear, but into community education? And could a Christian get behind that? Well, sure, yes. But could we get behind the abolition of law enforcement? Oh my goodness, no. Why? Because God designed that authority and he gave it his power. And so therefore, when it is used rightly, law enforcement doesn't work against the flourishing of people. It's necessary for the flourishing of the people. Remember, A fish does not find its fullest freedom being thrown into a parking lot. It finds its fullest freedom swimming in water because people find their fullest freedom working inside the structures and systems that God designed. It may be popular in the modern world to say that the structures and systems are just mechanisms of power designed to oppress people. But what may be popular in a modern world does not necessarily make it right or biblical. And so as a Christian, we need to affirm God designed authority, and that's good. Can good authorities be abused? Certainly, yes. And when they are, we should work to reform, and we should work to do all we can to change them. But we will flourish as people when we live according to God's structures, just the way fish will flourish in water. It's because it's how we were designed to live. So as Christians, I know right now, culturally, there's a lot going on 
that we have to sort our way through. How do we live faithfully? How do we do this? But my hope is that foundationally, as we examine the scriptures, we begin to affirm this. God is good. His ways are good. And we can live faithfully and flourishingly in the world he designed when we live according to his ways. God bless you to try to live faithfully toward that end. Mm -hmm.